It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected. And picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff, you know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for Chronicles of Nania, featuring the man who this show is named for. He's the resident stat geek over at JetsXFactor.com, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, we were going through the numbers on the Jets' 2020 draft class. Last week, we did Mekhi Becton and Denzel Mims, and this week I want to dive a little bit deeper, and we'll start with Ashton Davis, the safety from Cal, who went number 68 overall. And we talked about Denzel Mims' athleticism last week. Let's talk about Ashton Davis's athleticism. This is a guy who is elite off the charts for the safety position. We're talking a track star, somebody who won all kinds of awards. He was all Pac-12 in both football and track, which is really, really impressive. I think this is another guy that Joe Douglas looked at and liked the character because, remember, we're talking about all these people that were team captains. And so you go out and you get guys like Denzel Mims, like Makai Becton, like Ashton Davis, who all the teammates and coaches rant and rave about and talk about how great they are. So I would imagine that Ashton Davis's athletic numbers measure up really well against other safeties who've been drafted pretty high recently. Yeah, and unfortunately, we didn't get to see uh, any testing from Ashton Davis because he didn't run at the Combine. Uh, and he was going to do it as pro day, but then, you know, everything that has happened, that happened. So he wasn't able to put any of those numbers out there. So we don't have uh, any numbers on him athletically to look at. But in terms of what he brings on the field, there's a lot to like. And versatility is the name of the game in the NFL now. Uh, I feel like they're, the way things are presented in the media, there's a lot uh, still too much uh, in terms of just pigeonholing players to positions. And Davis is kind of a victim of that. He is a safety, you know, that if you're going to pick a position, that is one for him. But it's a lot more than just that. And that's the way it is for every player. There's so much rotation in the league now. But uh, versatility is something he brings to the table. Uh, he played 409 snaps at free safety this past season, 120 in the box, and 112 as a slot corner. So uh, he's able to take on a lot of different roles, and that is – Huge for a Jets defense that doesn't have a lot of talent at outside corner on at the edge uh, and definitely likes to move Jamal Adams around a lot. So he, he's really going to help them uh, just get the most out of Jamal Adams and Marcus May and just continue to play into this defense that Greg Williams ran last season that has a lot of rotation uh, in the secondary. So he can play a lot of different roles uh, in coverage. That's obviously uh, what he's most known for, that track speed. And uh, particularly when he's lined up deep, that's where he's most comfortable uh, he, he had the fifth best coverage grade in the nation when playing single high safety over the past two seasons. So that's definitely where he's at his best. And obviously it's where he played his most as well. Uh, so Cal was aware of that, but he can play these other roles if you need him to, he does offer that. 
Uh, but also he's a really good finisher downhill. His tackling is pretty good. He had the best run defense grade in the Pac-12 in 2018. It was above average again in 2019, and his tackling efficiency is pretty good. Uh, only missed eight tackles against 57 in 2019. That's a 12.3% miss rate. That was at the 70th percentile among all safeties in the running game. He only missed two tackles while making 21. Uh, and his miss rate was even lower before that, 27 to 18. He had a 10.8% miss rate. Uh, so tackling efficiency, he's really good with that. It's kind of similar to Marcus May. When you do need him to come downhill and defend the run, he can do that. Uh, although Marcus May's misses, when he does miss, are pretty ugly. Uh, we're talking about the Cleveland game right now against Odell Beckham. I still don't know what he was doing in that play. Uh, but May overall does finish pretty good uh, when he has to come down and make a tackle. Davis is very similar to that. Even though he doesn't do it a whole lot, he's efficient when you need him to. But overall, he brings that versatility. He can play slot corner for you. Uh, you probably don't want him to play in the box too much. He doesn't necessarily have the size for that, uh, at least uh, the last time we saw him on the field. But uh, free safety is where he's the strongest. He's very good in coverage when he's in that deep position. Uh, but he can come down and finish as a tackler uh, at a really good rate. Michael, one thing that I thought was interesting about him is that he put up some really good numbers that you were talking about in coverage, but he also put up some pretty eye-popping kick return numbers. You have to wonder if Brant Boyer is going to look at him and want to use him in that capacity. I know that if Greg Williams wants to use him in a high-profile role on the defense, there will be temptation to keep him out of that because you're worried about injury, but he's somebody that could potentially make a real impact in the kickoff return game. It's definitely something he offers. In 2017, he led the entire nation with 39 kickoff returns. Wasn't too productive with those. Only averaged 21.2 yards a return. But the following season, in 2018, he was second in the Pac-12 in yards per kickoff return with 26.2. And he didn't play too much on special teams in 2019 because, as you said, he became uh, like if he would in the NFL. Uh, he became a starter more regularly on defense. Uh, so that he didn't play too much on special teams. But he did return a couple of punts and was pretty productive with those for 14 and 19 yards. But uh, as, whenever you have a guy like that who has that much athleticism, uh, until he does establish himself as a key part of either the offense or the defense, uh, the special teams coaches are going to want to get him out there and see if they can get anything out of him. The Jets kind of had a revolving door at kickoff returner last year. Vincent Smith, Ty Montgomery, even Braxton Berrios took a few. Uh, so, you know, Ashton Davis could definitely be in that conversation uh, to start out, depending on what his defensive role is. Uh, Vincent Smith ended up being uh, producing at a pretty good level as a kickoff returner, but he, I believe, only returned 10 kickoffs, so it was a small sample. Uh, so Davis definitely could be in that mix. What about coverage, Michael? I know you talked about how he was impressive as a single high safety, and I think ultimately that's where he'll end up full-time once Marcus May moves on at the end of the 2020 season. But what did you find in terms of his numbers? Because this is a kid who was all Pac-12 twice. Yeah, definitely. And I think that uh, his no in 2019, from a numbers perspective, he did take a little bit of a dip. He did give up. Uh, uh, his numbers overall coverage were pretty average in 2019. 57th percentile in passer rating and 36th percentile in yards per cover snap. But you also have to consider that uh, he's doing what a lot of other safeties aren't. He's Like I said, he's playing some slot corner, comes down in the box sometimes. So uh, he's definitely taking on responsibilities most other cornerbacks are not. But I, I think his grades best sum it up because 
part part of being really good at safety is just making sure the ball doesn't come your way in the first place. So the fact that his coverage grade as a single high safety over the past two seasons was the best in the nation probably leads you to believe that, you know, he's doing a good job playing his position, not letting the ball come his way. And when it does come his way, he's making some plays on it. Uh, he did make a couple of really good plays uh, in one game against Justin Herbert in Oregon. And uh, he, that, those two guys could face again this year. Davis could get to face uh, Justin Herbert when the jets play the chargers, depending on when that is, if Herbert is playing, but uh, overall in coverage, he did in terms of uh, when he was targeted, pretty average this past season but overall I think he did do a really good job uh, when he was able to take that single high role and be able to just kind of sit back read the defense and make plays on it so in terms of his uh, that is one kind of a red flag in terms of if the Jets want to use him in slot coverage convert him to cornerback anything like that uh, because his on-ball coverage numbers aren't the greatest but at the same time uh, this is still a guy who has some projection involved you know he was uh he did play football in high school, obviously, but it took him some time to make the team at Cal. Still has some work to do in terms of recognition, things like that, but is a tremendous athlete. So there is some project, uh, projection with him, and obviously you're drafting him for the most part to kind of make the most out of uh, his, his tools as an athlete. But still, at the same time, he had good enough instincts to be one of the best safeties in the Pac-12 over the past two years. But overall, I think the bottom line with him is that he's really good in that deep safety role and everything else, while he can do it, there still is a little bit more work for him in those areas. As far as tackling, he's not quite as advanced as he is with coverage, right? Well, he did tackle at a pretty efficient rate in terms of uh, his the frequency of his misses. Uh, over the past, uh, in 2019, he was at the 70th percentile in tackling efficiency at about 12%. So he does tackle pretty good in terms of avoiding missed tackles, but uh, it definitely is uh, when you look at him and definitely his frame and everything. He's not exactly the guy who you want, like in a Jamal Adams role coming down, playing the edge or anything like that. But he does tackle at a pretty, pretty efficient rate. Somebody who has great athletic traits as well, but didn't produce quite as much as Ashton Davis did, certainly at a different position anyway, was Jabari Zaniga, the edge rusher from Florida who could be a 4-3 end or 3-4 linebacker. I guess we're going to find out soon enough. He was injured a lot in 2019, but in 2018 he flashed a lot. And I would imagine that you found some pretty interesting tidbits in terms of his athleticism and production because in 2018 he was pretty good in both areas. Yeah, and what's interesting with Zuniga is that in 2019 he only played, uh, appeared in six games, one of them against Kentucky. Uh, he left the game pretty pretty early with an injury, but played in six games this past season. But when he was out there, and it was a small sample, but he played really well when he was uh, on the field in 2019. He had 19 pressures over 124 pass rush snaps. That's a 15.3% pressure rate. And if he did qualify, that would have ranked at the 94th percentile among edge defenders. He was active in the run game, uh, had a run stop, which is a – uh, a run stop is a tackle when in the run game that is, you know, actually positive value for the defense. So like a stuff doesn't have to be behind the line, could be short tackle. But he had seven run stops on 64 run defense snaps, 10.9% rate. That would have been fourth best among all edge defenders. So small sample, but he played really well when he was healthy this past season. But uh, past couple seasons before that, 2017 and especially 2018, that's when he played the most and uh, was the most healthy uh, he put up. He was not able to ha- play at quite the level he did at that 2019 small sample, but he still played pretty well 
Uh, he over 1,015 snaps, 22 games from 2017 to 18. 65 pressures on 100 or 521 pass or snaps. That's a 12.12.5% rate. That would have been at the 82nd percentile. Uh, and his run defense was pretty good as well. Had 30 run stops over that time. Uh, 6.1% rate, 55th percentile. So he was producing at a pretty good uh, a pretty good rate uh, when he was healthy back in 2018. His pass rushing was pretty good in terms of efficiency. So, like you said, his uh, his athleticism really is really good as well. 464 in the 40. That that's at the 87th percentile among edge. Uh, so athletically, he does bring it to the table production wise as well. And again, I think one of the big things to remember is that everyone's pretty good. That's getting drafted. That's why they're here because. Uh, there's so many players in in college football, and only the best of them are getting drafted. So most of these guys are going to have really good production. It the biggest thing is you want to see by looking at the tape, by looking at their character, everything like that, how likely those numbers are to translate. Uh, but with Zuniga, he definitely has production that you can build off of, especially as a pass rusher. Uh, and he was showing some signs of pretty major improvement early in 2019 before injuries. Kind of, uh, kind of destroyed his season. He actually returned twice uh, before missing more games. He had three separate stints of missed games with a high ankle sprain in 2019. So he kept trying to come back, uh, wasn't able to, did eventually return for their last game of the season, a bowl game. But uh, in the, the time that he was out there, especially early in the season, seemed like he was going to have a breakout year, but I uh, wasn't able to stay healthy enough to do that. But his pass rushing production was pretty solid at, at, when he was in college for the Gators. He flashed elite athleticism, but his teammate, LaMichael Pirine, did not. He had some pretty solid production, but like you said, you have to look at how likely that is to translate to the pro level. So when you looked at the stats and you looked at the athletic numbers, how likely do you think it is that it translates? Yeah, I think Pirine's interesting because he had really good volume production, but I, the efficiency wasn't necessarily the best. And definitely we were looking for uh, like when you're looking for really special traits, like something that you can build off of, whether it's speed, shiftiness, quickness, receiving ability, things like that. There isn't much in terms of, you know, him having that one signature skill that you could really build off of, but you know, he's a pretty well-rounded player and Bilal Powell is uh, a comparison that he gets a lot. And I think it definitely makes sense because when you look at his game, evaluate your strengths and weaknesses again there isn't the he doesn't really have the most amazing traits that you know could make him a superstar but he is pretty well rounded uh, for that reason he could be good he could be a pretty good backup or a decent spot starter and whether or not you think that's worth his draft position that's another argument I'm not exactly sure it was but he does have I think a pretty decent floor just because of how well-rounded he is how many different things he could do well uh, in the receiving game, he's pretty involved. He had 40 receptions in 2019. That was tied for the seventh most among FBS running backs. And he had five receiving touchdowns. That was tied for the second most drops. He's been pretty good with those. Only two drops in his career on 72 catches. That's a 2.7% drop rate. So his hands are really good. He's not necessarily the most dynamic receiver. His yards for reception numbers are pretty low because most of his catches are checkdowns. But uh, the drops, keeping those low is definitely a plus. Ball security is really good. No fumbles in 2019, just one fumble in 2018. So uh, these are things Powell does well, and that's why I think he's a really good comparison. That's part of what Powell really brings to the table. Pass blocking, he's reliable there. He doesn't give the ball away in terms of fumbles. He doesn't drop the ball. Just these little things that aren't, again, not they're not game-changing abilities, but 
from over the course of, you know, a whole season, uh, multiple seasons, the, the fewer drops you can have, the less, uh, the less times you fumble the ball, you're just saving possessions, saving plays for your team. And it's value that adds up over the long term. And that's a, a really good trait for a backup running back. So he does bring those to the table. Uh, but overall, I think, I think those are the primary things, ball security, his ability to be involved as a receiver, even if he's not the, even if he's not necessarily Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey or anything like that, he doesn't drop the ball. He doesn't fumble it. And those are the, those are probably top two things with P Ryan. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I've said a few times that I feel like P. Ryan is basically projecting to be an okay running back at the NFL level. You've sort of hinted at this, Michael. He's not bad at anything, but he's not especially good at anything. You think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. Because there just aren't too many things that he's really bad at, but he's also not great at anything. Uh, the drops and ball security, again, are those are two things he's really good at, but they're just not needle moving abilities you'd like to have all of your running backs be good at that it's very important but it's not a huge value you know it's not something that adds a ton a ton of value it's not like you're going to draft a guy because his ball security is good uh, but he is good at those things and the after contact game is where his numbers are interesting he did average 3.73 yards after contact per rush attempt that was at the 79th percentile but at the same time he didn't break a ton of tackles 
either. That's something he really struggled with. He had 24 missed tackles forced on 132 carries. That's uh, that average per carry is only at the 31st percentile among qualifiers. So doesn't break a ton of tackles. And again, when you're putting that, you know, kind of that kind of filter on these numbers in which we're looking at, okay, all these guys are really good. They should be going to the NFL. They should be really good. Uh, if you rank 31st percentile at something that's that major elusiveness for a running back, uh, even though it might only be below average in college, if we're comparing that against other guys who are, you know, going good enough to go to the NFL, it's definitely among the worst in the draft class. So he does struggle, does not force a lot of missed tackles, even though he does have the good yards after contact number, he did get 87 of those yards on one play. And if you take those yards out of it, uh, his average definitely goes way down. So uh, he's def- elusiveness is something he doesn't really bring to the table. And uh, if you're looking for a back who could actually add a lot of value uh, in the, whether it's in the running game or the receiving game, but particularly on the ground, if you're really going to add a lot of value uh, independent of what your offensive line does, you've got to break tackles. And that's something that P Ryan did not really do that well. Michael, let's talk about the pick after P. Ryan, and that, of course, is Captain Morgan. I think that unless something was horribly, horribly wrong, he's never going to see the football field, which is part of why I thought this was a questionable draft pick. But there are reasons that he would have been picked in the fourth round and the Jets weren't the only ones interested. I'm sure that you've got numbers that would show exactly why that is. Yeah, well, with Morgan, I think it really comes down to what he did in 2018. He kind of put himself... On the map that season, he trans uh, transferred from Bowling Green to Florida International, and he had a really good 2018 season. Uh, his passer rating that season was 157.6. His NCAA passer rating, so they calculate it differently, but his passer rating that season was the best in Conference USA, one of the best marks in the history of that conference. 26 touchdowns, seven picks, uh, 8.4 yards per attempt. Uh, he, he was just very good that season. I think he put himself on the mat but this past season uh he did play through a knee injury throughout most of the season but was not able to come close to what he did in 2018 his production did overall take a pretty big dip his completion percentage 58 percent and i'm not a big completion percentage guy but it's definitely below the threshold although he did deal with drops quite a bit his teammates dropped uh, about nine percent of his passes that was a really uh, a very high number so they didn't help him out in that regard, but still only 7.2 yards per attempt, which while it would be solid in the NFL is not quite a number you want to see from a prospect, 14 touchdowns, five picks, which isn't a bad ratio, but uh, PFF did tag him with more turnover worthy plays uh, with 18 of those. So that suggests that he probably had a lot of dropped interceptions, uh, more of those than big time throws with 14. And uh, that's kind of a subjective stat right there, the big time throws, but still it's not the best ratio uh, if you're looking for an NFL prospect, if, if we're putting it nicely, but deep passing is something that he struggled with uh, on passes over 20 yards downfield in 2019. He was at the eighth percentile in passer rating, 67.2, and that's NFL passer rating. Uh, 12th percentile in completion, uh, completion percentage on those throws, 27.3%, 17th percentile in yards per attempt with 96 on those throws on, on the deep throws. So overall the deep throwing is something that he struggles with his touch on those. But even if you look at his highlights, a lot of his throws that are completed were very, very well underthrown. So deep throwing is something that he struggles with, not very efficient on those. And just overall, he took a step back in 2019, but 2018, I think is definitely the biggest thing. I feel like he put himself on the map with that teams understand that he played through an injury this season. 
but you could still see the flashes, the arm talent. Uh, he grew up in Green Bay, very close to Lambeau Field. He Maybe he has that Brett Favre gutsiness in him. Uh, but the deep throwing something he struggles with. Uh, in 2018, he played really well. But intermediate passing, he does do that pretty well. Uh, he completed 56% of his intermediate passes in 2019 for 10 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, no picks, uh, and had a 90.7 passing grade from PFF on those. That's 17th best in the nation. So intermediate throwing, he still showed uh, some flashes in 2019. One thing I'm curious about, Michael, is you know that there's going to be a lot of pressure because this line is still a work in progress. So let's just say Captain Morgan had to get rushed into the game because some sort of crazy scenario happens where Sam Darnold gets hurt and David Fales gets decapitated or whatever it is that happens that causes Captain Morgan to get onto the field. He'd have to presumably deal with a fair amount of pressure. How did he do against pressure when he was at FIU? I mean, if David Fales got decapitated, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Captain Morgan to be the guy to blame for that with his sword <laughs> kind of walking around Florham Park. But uh, the thing is, if he did have to deal with pressure, he does have a pretty good resume there. 48.8% completion percentage in 2019 under pressure. That was at the 77th percentile, 71.6 passer rating, 66th percentile. So uh, did a decent job, especially when you consider uh, he was dealing with uh, knee injury throughout most of the season when he was under pressure and he doesn't take sacks that's another thing uh, another Brett Favre comparison for the Green Bay kid only 12 sacks taken in 2019 third fewest among all quarterbacks in college with at least 300 dropbacks so he does get that ball out uh, and his interceptions are relatively low for a guy who does get the football out pretty quickly although he did have quite a few dropped interceptions based on his high number of turnover worthy plays but uh in 2019, he did do a pretty respectable job, all things considered, under pressure. Anytime you can go out on a question involving decapitation, you got to do it. So that's where we'll leave things this week. We'll get back into the talk about the rookie numbers next week when Michael comes back on to take us through the rest of the rookie class. In the meantime, make sure that you check out all the great work that Michael's putting up over at JetsXFactor.com and follow him on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. If you haven't given this show a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.